Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome. If you've been tracking with us through the Advent season, you've probably heard me say at some point that Advent starts this clock ticking because we are on this journey from Christmas, the birth of Christ, all the way through to Easter, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And it probably won't surprise you to know that I didn't come up with that on my own. Uh, The church has been using the calendar as a way to teach people for centuries, probably even millennia. You know, up until very recently, many, many people who were Christians weren't literate, and so they they couldn't read the scriptures, and in many cases, until very recently, they didn't have the scriptures in a language they could read. You know, unless you could read Greek or Latin, boy, up until a few hundred years ago, you couldn't read the Bible. And so the church needs other ways to teach people, and one of the ways they've done that is through the calendar is by setting aside certain months and certain times to teach people things over and over. So for instance, from Advent and Christmas, which we just celebrated, on through to Easter, that's known as the time of Christ in the church calendar. It's the time when we would focus and talk about Jesus. And then from Easter, all the way back around to Advent again, so it's about one-third, two-thirds, not quite exactly, but about, all the way back to Easter again, that's the time of the church. And that's the time when we would be teaching people about what it means to be a Christian. And then within those times, obviously, we break them up. We have Advent and Christmas to celebrate the birth of Christ. We have Lent and Easter to celebrate the death and the resurrection of Christ. And what we're in now, which is the time between the end of Christmas and the start of Lent, is called the season of epiphanies. Now, epiphany is another one of those church words. It's a Greek word because, of course, all words in church are either from Greek or Latin. And what it means is literally to shine a light upon. Epi, upon, phino, to shine. And so it means you're bringing something to light. You're, you're, you're shining a light on something so people see it. You're revealing it. And we still use that word today. You'll hear someone say, oh, you know, last night I had an epiphany by which we mean something became clear. You know, the light went on, the light bulb. Suddenly we understood something. We're in the season of epiphanies, which is when we shine a light on Jesus because this is the time of Christ in the church calendar. And so this is the time when the churches would be teaching people about Jesus. And we're actually gonna follow that this year. You know, we we always do Advent and Christmas. We always do Lent and Easter. We sometimes celebrate other parts of the, the calendar. Sometimes we don't. But this year, we're gonna follow the time of epiphanies. We're gonna shine a light on Jesus. And we're gonna do it by going through the Gospel of John. Now, we won't have time to do the whole gospel, but we'll do a good bit of it. Here in Epiphanies, we'll do the first half of the Gospel of John because chapters 1 through 11 is the history of Jesus' ministry. We don't know exactly how long he was doing public ministry. It's somewhere between two and three years. And the first 11 chapters of John are that two to three years. And then the second half of John, from 12 to 22, that's the last week in Jesus' life. And so we'll do that over Lent, and we'll use that right on through into Easter and afterwards. So 
Turn in your Bibles with me this week. The, the, this is the first Sunday in Epiphanies to the Gospel of John chapter one. We're gonna start, of course, where you're supposed to start, which is at the beginning. We are gonna look at the first person who does an epiphany on Christ, the first person who shines a light on Jesus, who reveals something about him to us, and that's John the Baptist, because Jesus' ministry starts when he's baptized with John by John the Baptist. So John the Baptist's story in the Gospel of John, and those are not the same guys, John the Baptist is one guy, the Gospel of John is written by the disciple of Jesus, John, the brother of James, same name, different guys, don't get confused, In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist story is found in chapter 1, verses 19 through 39, and then skipping forward a little bit in chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. So follow along with me. Read those passages with me. John chapter 1, starting in verse 19 down through verse 39. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who'd been sent to question him, why do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. So they went, and they saw where Jesus was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, flip forward to chapter three. We're gonna pick up John's story again, starting in verse 22 and read down through verse 30. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized Now John also was baptizing at Ainon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. 
To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. So when this story starts with John the Baptist out baptizing people, John is probably the most famous man in Israel in his day because John is accepted by everyone as being a prophet. Now to us, Sure, he's a prophet, right? The scriptures are full of prophets. If I asked you, you could probably easily, just in a couple seconds, name off one hand's worth of prophets. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. And you probably could get another five or 10 easily. The, the scriptures are full of prophets. But the last prophet, by which I mean the last man that everyone agreed had the spirit of God and spoke through the spirit of God was Malachi in the 400s BC. We're in around 30 AD. This is over 400 years later. And in those 400 years, no one has ever come speaking for God through God's spirit. And we can't fathom that because we live on the other side of Jesus' resurrection. All believers have the spirit. We can all hear from him. God can speak to all of us through his spirit. I hope when I preach to you, you hear from God, either through my preaching of the scriptures or through God's spirit speaking to you. This is normal for us to hear from God through his spirit. But at this time, when John comes, having God's spirit, that's one of the things the angel said about John that was so extraordinary. When, when the angel told John's father about John's birth, he told him that John would have God's spirit from birth. As far as we know, no one's had God's spirit for 400 years. John is this incredible man. And it doesn't tell us here in the gospel of John, but the other gospel writers tell us that the entire city of Jerusalem knows about this and is going out to at least watch him, if not be baptized. The whole country of Judea knows about this and is going out to at least watch him, if not also to be baptized. John is probably the most famous person in his generation. He is a huge celebrity. He is incredibly important. He is the first person who speaks for God through God's spirit that Israel has seen in 400 years. The pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. That's like right over 400 years from now. Can you imagine if no one had heard anything from God since then? And now suddenly a guy shows up and when he talks, everybody knows he's speaking for God. John is this incredibly famous, incredibly important man. He is probably, again, the most well-known man in Israel at this point in time. But he's not part of the religious establishment. Like the, the, the religious leaders, the, the, the people like me, uh, the, the pastors and all this kind of thing, they don't know what to do with him because 
they've never seen a prophet before and their dads never saw a prophet and their granddads never saw a prophet. Nobody's seen a prophet for 400 years. They have no idea what to do with this guy. So they send a delegation from Jerusalem, which is where the, the, the council, the religious rulers are, down to where John is baptizing people just to ask him, who are you? And they start running through the options. The first thing they ask him is, are you the Messiah? Again, if you were tracking with us in Advent, you heard me talk about how all throughout what we call the Old Testament, but for them, that was just the Bible. They didn't have the New Testament yet. All throughout the Old Testament, there are these clues that someone is coming. And I mean, they start back in Genesis chapter three when mankind falls and God says that there'll be a descendant of Eve who will crush Satan. And all from there, throughout the scriptures, you get these clues about somebody's coming. And all that finally comes together in calling this guy the Messiah. Because he, Messiah means anointed, and he unites the two anointed roles in Israel. The king is anointed when he becomes king, and the high priest is anointed when he becomes high priest. But they're different people. The king comes from the line of Judah, the priest comes from the line of Levi. They're different families. Somehow the, the Messiah unites these two roles. Nobody knows how that's gonna happen. But he, well, they know he's gonna do that. That's one of the clues that all throughout the scriptures. They ask John, are you the guy? I mean, they've been waiting a thousand years for this guy. Are you the guy? And John's like, no, no, that's not me. All right, and then they start backing up through the clues. Like, okay, the last clue that we have in the Bible is in Malachi, the final prophet. The last thing he says is, before the guy shows up, before the Lord comes, God will send Elijah to prepare the way. And so they ask him, hey, okay, you're not the guy. Are you Elijah? Is the, like, you're the guy preparing the way. And John says, no, I'm not. And so they back up again. They go all the way back to Moses, which is one of the very first clues we have. Moses said, God will send you another prophet like me. And so they ask him, okay, well, are you the prophet then? And John says, no, I'm not. So you're not the guy, you're not Elijah, the last clue we have, you're not the prophet, one of the first clues we have, who are you, they says, they say to him. And John gives him what must have been a really frustrating answer because he pulls one of the clues right out from the middle. You know, Elijah's at the end of the Old Testament, Moses is at the beginning, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, Amalekai wrote the last book, he pulls a quote out of Isaiah about the guy that Malachi talks about, Elijah, who's gonna come and prepare his way? He says, oh no, I'm not Elijah. I'm the guy coming to prepare the way. Who we find out later in Malachi is Elijah. You know, it's this, it's this weird thing of no, I'm not, yes, I am. And in fact, that's what Jesus will say about John. He'll say, you know, John isn't, isn't actually Elijah. He's not the reincarnation of Elijah. God didn't bring Elijah up from the dead and plop him down. But John, Jesus says, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. He comes with the power of Elijah. But that must have been a confusing, frustrating answer to these guys. And so they're not getting anywhere with John in the whole, who are you thing? So they switch tacks. They're like, fine, then tell us what you're doing and why. If you're not the guy, if you're not the prophet, if you're not Elijah, if you're none of these guys, then why are you baptizing people? And do you notice that John the Baptist does not answer their question? They ask him, why are you doing this? And he says to them in 26, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
These guys are saying to John, who are you? What are you doing? Tell us about yourself. And John says to them, we don't need to talk about me. I am so unimportant. I don't even rate as the servant who takes your shoes off. You know, important rich people in this day, you'd come in, your, your, your shoes are dirty and dusty, you'd sit down. You weren't gonna get your hands dirty. You had a servant to take your dirty shoes off and that's a low job. John says, I'm not even as high as that guy. We don't need to talk about me. We need to talk about the guy who is coming. He doesn't answer their question of why he's doing what he's doing. He says, let's not talk about me. I'm not important. Let's talk about the guy who's coming. And do you notice, we now have these series of events taking place over days. This is one day. In verse 29, we're told the next day. Then again, in verse 35, we're told the next day. And so look what happens in verse 29, the next day. So the first day, these people come and ask John about himself, and he's like, we're not gonna talk about me. We gotta talk about this guy who's coming because he's the important person. Now on the next day, we're told, John sees Jesus. And John, the, the, the writer of the gospel, relates the story of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. He doesn't tell us the story like the other gospel writers do. He doesn't tell it as a story. John the Baptist just relates it because Jesus' baptism is an epiphany. It shines a light on who he is. John says, before Jesus was baptized, I didn't know who he was. After he was baptized, I did. Because when Jesus is baptized, when John dunks Jesus into the water, when he comes up out of the water, the scriptures say the spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove and lands on him. And the, the other gospel writers tell us that actually God speaks out of heaven to Jesus and tells him, you know, you are my son. I'm proud of you. I, I love you. John the Baptist says, when I saw that, I knew I knew this was him. This was the guy. And now, finally, he answers the question from yesterday. You know, he didn't answer them, why are you baptizing? But now he does. Look at verse 31. I myself did not know him. Right? He said, up until I, saw, until I saw the Spirit come down on Jesus, I didn't know who he was. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John knows why he's there. He's there as an epiphany to Jesus. He's there to shine a light on Jesus, to reveal him to other people. When the Spirit came down like a dove, that revealed to John who Jesus was, and John's job is now to reveal to other people who Jesus is. That's what he did yesterday with the guys talking to him. He just didn't know who it was. He just knew somebody was coming. And he then does that. Look at what it says in verse 32. John then gave this testimony he tells people, he now knows this is the guy who's coming. This is the guy that I have been preparing the way for. And he starts telling people, this is the Lamb of God. That you need to go, you need to follow this guy. You need to go after this guy. This is the Lamb of God. John's been preaching to people, you need to repent because you need to be forgiven. And Jesus is the way that's going to happen. Jesus is the way that God is going to forgive people. And so John testifies about him. He points people to Jesus. That's his job. Now look what happens the next day in verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. So on the first day, he's talking to people who've come from Jerusalem that he doesn't know. The second day, he's just kind of talking 
We're not told who's listening or anything. He's just generally telling people. Now today, we're told exactly who he's talking to. He's talking to some of his followers. These are the people who follow him. These are the people he has been pouring into. These are the people who support him. You know, he, he's not making a living. It says he's eating honey and things like that. These are the guys who are his supporters. They're taking care of him. And what happens, verse 36, when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John points Jesus out to his own followers. This is the guy. This is the person you need to be following. And they do. They go and they follow people. You know, John, John is at the top of his game. He is the most famous, probably most important person, certainly in terms of religion, in Israel at this time. And he's pointing his own people back to Jesus. And they're leaving him and going to follow Jesus. And then we jump to chapter three. So this is sometime later. We don't know how long, but John is still doing what he's doing. He's still baptizing people. He's still calling people to repentance and he's pointing people to Jesus. And some argument arises about this between some of John's followers, guys who have stuck with him. They haven't gone off like his other followers did to follow Christ. They're still with John and some other guy. They, they get into this argument at ceremonial washings and whatever else, and they come to John and they're like, um, Rabbi, you know, you know that guy that you're pointing out to everybody? Well, he's over there and everybody's leaving us and going to him. Like it, it, it kind of seems like maybe they're jealous or they're, they're worried. They're losing their supporters. They're all going off to Jesus. And look at what John says to them. John says, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom just waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Wow, what an answer. I mean, John was at the top and he started pointing people to Jesus because that's his job. And now he's on the way down. He's not as popular. He's not as important. Everything is shifting from John to Jesus. Jesus is becoming the guy that everyone's going to and everyone's talking about. And when people come to John and say, are you okay with this? John's reply is, of course. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. I'm just a groomsman. Nobody comes to a wedding to see the groomsman. You come to a wedding to see the bride and the groom. I am full of joy at this wedding. I am honored to be a groomsman, but that's all I am. Like, wow, I am impressed. John is sending people to Jesus. You know, here at Dunwoody Community Church, our motto is just our version of the same motto the church has had since time immemorial. We want to be disciples. We want to make disciples. We want to be people who follow Jesus and who help others follow Jesus. And again, that's just our phrasing of what the church has always been doing, what Jesus told us to do, make disciples of the whole earth. And here you have a guy who's doing that. And wow, he's doing that really well. 
He's doing that when he's at the top of his game and he's still doing that joyfully as he's on his way down into obscurity. John's not boasting in his success when he's at the top, when he's famous, when he's the first prophet anyone's seen for 400 years. You know, he's not looking to expand his reach. He's not going on a tour of the Roman Empire to, to bring his prophecy to Hispania and Gaul and Britannia. He's not trying to monetize his followers or increase his likes or anything like that. He's just doing what God has given him to do. He says, I come to baptize to reveal Jesus to Israel. And when John's at the top, he's at the Jordan River baptizing people, telling them, you need to repent, and the guy is coming who can, who can see you forgiven. And when he's on his way down after Jesus is eclipsing him, John is at the Jordan River baptizing people, telling people, you need to repent, and that's the guy who can see you forgiven. He is doing exactly what God has called him to do all throughout his ministry. Whether he's up or down, rising or falling, he's doing exactly what God has called him to, and I'm impressed. This is a great example of who we should be. So Dunwoody Community Church, let me ask you. It's a new year. We're starting into 2022. What's your plan for making disciples? Like, where has God put you, and where has God called you to make disciples? Because John the Baptist, God put him in Judea at the Jordan River around 30 AD, speaking Aramaic and Hebrew, calling the people of that day to repent and pointing them to Jesus but he didn't call John to do that in Rome, and he didn't call John to do that in 330 AD, and he called John to a specific time, to a specific people, at a specific place. Where has God called you? Where has God put you? Where has God put you where you have authority, where you have favor? Where has God put you where there's people around you that you can point to Jesus. Where is God? Where does God want you to be his John the Baptist? To point people to Christ. That's what John was supposed to do. Reveal Jesus to the people he was with. Where does the Lord want you to do that? He obviously doesn't want you to do it in 30 AD in, Jude, in Jerusalem like John was doing because you're here now or wherever you are if you're watching this on video. Where has God put you? Where has God called you? Who are the people that you are supposed to point to Jesus? It could be in your home. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be your work. It could be some neighborhood association. It could be people. It could be a circumstance. I don't know. Like, like that's up to you. God called John to this. He's called me to be here now preaching to you. He's put you in certain places with certain people. He's given you favor with certain people. He's given you authority in certain places. Where does God want you to be his John as we start 2022? Now, I can't answer that for you. Right? I can just answer that for me. I know God wants me here behind this table preaching the scriptures to you. That's what he's called me to now. That's how he wants me to make disciples. 
but you need to know how he's called you. John the Baptist knew how God called him. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. He said, that's why I'm here. I'm here to baptize and point Israel to Jesus. Where has God called you? Now, if you know that, amen, blessings on you. Keep praying into that. Look for the Lord to be at work there, right? Because we're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus, none of us are Jesus. None of us are saving anybody. It is not our job to forgive people and see them forgiven by God. That is God's job. It is our job to point them to Christ. Whether they go or not is between them and the Lord. We will not be held accountable for what other people did, but we will be held accountable for what we did or didn't do. Where? Has the Lord put you and called you to be John the Baptist to those people? So I'm going to close, as I always do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God's Spirit to speak to us as we go into 2022. Do you know the places, the people, the, the situations, the circumstances where God wants you to be like John the Baptist? He wants you to point people to Christ. Now, whether they go or not, that's their business, and he will deal with them about that. It's not your job to see them forgiven. That's Jesus' job. It's just your job like it was John's job. Point them to Christ. Reveal Christ to them. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God's Spirit to speak to us. And after I finish praying, we're just going to be quiet for a minute. And that's going to seem like an eternity. Just sit there with your eyes closed. See if God says anything to you. You know, God speaks differently to different people. Some people like to hear voices and some people see pictures and some people get impressions. I don't know how the Lord speaks to you. For me, it's often through scripture. I remember scripture. I hear scripture in my mind. However God speaks to you, just see, does a person come to mind? Is that someone God wants you to be pointing to Christ? Does a, a place come to mind? Is that a place where God wants you to be pointing people to Christ? Does a, a circumstance come to mind? Just We're just going to sit for a minute. Just see if God says anything to you. If anything comes into your mind. And then I will finish the prayer and close us. So pray with me. I thank you, Lord. I mean, this is an honor. It is an honor to be asked to be a groomsman or to ask to be a bridesmaid in a wedding. And that is what you have asked us to do. You asked John the Baptist to be one of your groomsmen and he did a great job. And you have asked us to be your groomsman and your bridesmaid. But it's not about us. People aren't there to see us. It's you, Jesus. You are the groom, the church. The church is your bride. Lord, thank you. We are honored that, that you have called us to be your groomsmen and your bridesmaid at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So, Jesus, where do you want us to do this? I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for everyone who is listening to my voice right now, whether they're in the sanctuary on Sunday morning or they're watching this some other time, some other place. Holy Spirit, speak to us. You are not bound by time. You are not bound by space. You can take my prayer now here and you can apply it anywhere to anyone at any time. And so I pray that you would, Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we sit in silence for the next minute. Impress upon us who are the people that you want us to point to you. Just like John knew, he was to point Israel in his day to you. 
Who are the people we are to point to you? Where are the places that you want us to point people? What are the circumstances? Lord, we serve you. We're the groomsmen. But the groomsman doesn't tell the groom and the wedding planner where to stand. The wedding planner tells the groomsman where to stand. You, you stand here. You, you come in first. You come in second. You carry this. You keep those things. Jesus, that's your job to tell us what our role is as your groomsman. So, Lord, as we sit quietly in the next minute, speak to us. Speak to us in whatever ways that we can hear. Who do you want us to point to you? Thank you, Lord, that you know the end from the beginning. Thank you that we're not going to save anybody, but you are. Thank you that you have called us to be part of what you are doing, but we are not responsible. You, you are the groom. You are the wedding planner. We are honored to be groomsmen and bridesmaids, and we will stand where you tell us to stand, and we will carry what you tell us to carry. Like John the Baptist, we are overjoyed that you have come and you have done these things. So Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us. Point out the, the places and the people and the circumstances where you want us to be like your servant, John. You want us to reveal you to others so that they can be groomsmen and bridesmaids as well. Thank you, Lord. But we truly want to be disciples who make disciples. And so we pray this in your name, Jesus. We pray everything in your name. You are our God and we are your servants. Amen.